Welcome to the Commerce Tomorrow podcast. Your one stop to learn about the technology that's powering the future of commerce. Here are your hosts, Dirk and Kelly. Hi, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Commerce Tomorrow podcast. At first, Happy New Year to all of you. Uh, this is our uh, January edition that we are starting with, and I'm here with my co-host, Colleague Getch, and we have a special guest today, which is Scott Brinker. Scott has multiple roles that we will definitely cover in this podcast, uh, and he is the VP of Platform Ecosystem at HubSpot. So, hello, Scott. Hello. Great to be here with you guys. Thanks for, for taking the time. Just to get started, for those who don't know you, can you give a little background um, on your professional career? Where did you start? Um, how did you end up? And what are you, the current roles that you're active in? Sure. So I've been a uh, software entrepreneur at the intersection of technology and marketing for pretty much my whole career. Um, early on, one of the things I did was I ran the technology organization at a web development agency. Uh, which was actually where I first ran into this dynamic of, you know, we'd get hired by the marketing department, uh, but then it would be my team's role to go work with their IT department on how do you actually make that vision come to life? Um, over the years, I've uh, been the CTO and co-founder of a uh, SaaS company, Ion Interactive, uh, made an interactive content platform for marketers. Uh, and then a year and a half ago, I joined HubSpot as their VP platform ecosystem to help the company do a better job of uh, interfacing and engaging with all the other uh, exciting MarTech and sales tech companies that are out there. Um, so aside from that, as what started as a hobby, I started writing the blog Chief Martech, Chief Marketing Technologist, about 10 years ago, uh, just fascinated by these dynamics between you know, the worlds of marketers and the worlds of technologies and IT people colliding. Uh, and that's, uh, that's grown over the years. And we also then launched a conference around that, the MarTech conference, uh, for that hybrid community of marketing technologists. That's exciting. That's that's quite a few hats. And uh, you know, just for our audience's benefit, uh, we met at Martech conference uh, where I was a speaker, and uh, Scott was the was the MC. So it was good to see you in your natural element. And uh, I have to say, the conference went really well. So um, maybe you can step back. Um, so our listeners are more commerce technologists. Um, what is under the marketing tech umbrella? It feels like a parallel world to our world, but I don't think a lot of commerce folks really understand what's in the scope. Um, you know, what are its boundaries? Where does it end? Uh, what's included? What's not? I think it'd be good to start there. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, sort of the, the, the off the cuff answer is, well, marketing technology is any technology that marketers use. Um, but uh, yeah, as it turns out, that's a really broad range. And part of the reasons it's broad is because the scope of marketing has been changing and expanding, uh, you know, particularly over these past five years, right? I mean, you know, marketing used to have a relatively well-defined set of channels and activities that it focused on. And so, of course, you know, we had software for things like email marketing. Sure, we had software for managing our ad tech. Um, you know, we had software we would manage, you know, for, uh, you know, content on our websites, things like that. But as, as marketing has expanded into more of these responsibilities of 
customer experience across uh, the entire life cycle that a customer has with someone, you know, you start to get into these issues of, okay, well, how does marketing work more closely with the sales organization? How does marketing work more closely with the customer success, customer service organization? Uh, so, 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 so the landscape of tools that marketers end up working with or somehow integrating with uh, has just been expanding tremendously. Oh, that's that's great. Um, I have one one topic that I would like to to dive into, and I think you will in, enjoy it. Uh, you are very well known. Um, I, I think I could even say famous uh, for your marketing technology landscape chart. Uh, and for everybody that does not know it, I think it's a huge poster already. I think the the latest one it's called a Martech Five Thousand, right? Yeah. Uh, from, <laughs> so it's it's really really huge. Um, I think for everybody that's uh, interested in that, just type it into Google or go on Scott's uh, LinkedIn profile, and then you can see it. Can you for those who who don't know it or haven't seen it. Um, can, can you explain a little bit what that is, um, how over the time it became so famous? And there, there are a lot of vendors and, and, and companies out there that you evaluate. And, and I know this is a lot of questions, but maybe <laughs> let me interrupt them. <laughs> I will distill so, that. <laughs> how, how do you evaluate all that? Are you do that all alone? Do you have a team of that? So there's so many players out there. Um, I, it, it must be a lot of work. So how did it all happen? So maybe, maybe you can, can start from, from the scratch here. Yeah, yeah. Happy to share the story of that. Uh, it, it was a very unexpected uh, evolution to that project. So way back in 2011, I was going to give a presentation at a conference to a group of marketing executives where I was trying to convince them that they should have technologists on the marketing team. And one of the exhibits I used to make my case was I put together a slide of pretty much every marketing technology I knew of at the time. Uh, and it ended up being around like 150 different technologies, you know, everything from like marketing automation to, you know, SEO to social media management, you know. And so the point of putting that slide up was to be able to say, listen, just look at how dependent you're becoming on technologies, uh, it really kind of makes sense to probably have a technologist who's you know part of part of your marketing team. Uh, and I remember everyone looked at that slide at exactly the effect I was hoping it would. They looked at the slide, they're like, oh my goodness, 150 marketing technologies. How will we ever keep track of them all? Um, so it, 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 it because it spurred such a great conversation, I kept going back to it year over year to like, oh, okay, well, what's the set of marketing technologies that I hear people are using? You know, and the next year it went from 150 to 350. And then a couple years later, it was up to a thousand, and then two thousand, and then four thousand, and then five thousand. And this past year, it was actually closer to seven thousand. Um, and so, I have to confess, I've been as surprised by this as anyone. Uh, and yeah, in the uh, for the first five years or so, I did this entire thing myself. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, these uh, past uh, few years, I mean, once it got to those point where it was just thousands of them. Uh, yeah, I started to bring in some others to help uh, Anand Thakur uh, help me. Uh, there's a company called Blue Green that's uh, now been helping uh, these past couple of years. And yeah, it's like a multi-month, you know, like team of 10 <laughs> uh, to go through and put this together. It became a huge project and huge success. So yeah, really, really congrats on that. That's yeah. a great story to hear. Yeah, I mean, it's just interesting to see like how this space has evolved. It's hard to think of another example we'd seen before now 
of just this incredible explosion of choices and variety. Uh, but of course, you know, I mean, now it's not just marketing. You see things like this in, in sales and in HR and accounting. It's just the world is being eaten by software, a lot of software. <laughs> well, I, I can personally attest to how difficult it must be. Uh, I go to conferences a lot, and the number one question I have for all these vendors is, what the hell do you do? <laughs> you know, and there's a lot of marketing there, and there's advertising, and there's, you know, buzzwords, but, you know, to try to peel back what each of these companies actually really does on a daily basis, uh, that's a lot of work. So I, I give you credit for hacking through all of that and figuring that out. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So who are some of the big players that our listeners should know about? Um, who's assembling the big suites out there? Who are some of the stronger, more independent vendors? Um, I guess, who should our listeners know about? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Uh, you know, one of the things that the landscape graphic I put together doesn't do is it doesn't do a good job of representing the relative scale uh, of the different companies on that map. So, I mean, you've got some really large players out here like Adobe, uh, you know, Salesforce, uh, Oracle, um, that, uh, yeah, just, you know, have a massive footprint. They've assembled marketing clouds by acquiring a lot of different solutions. Uh, uh, you know, in full disclosure, like on the SMB side, uh, the company I work for, uh, HubSpot, I think is now one of those contenders, uh, you know, as well. And so what you're, what you're starting to see is, these large companies like that, um, you know, they used to be going to market with this value proposition of say, oh, well, just buy our product and we have everything you need. And so you don't need anything else. Um, <laughs> one of the things I think people have now come and realize is, okay, my goodness, there are just too many things happening across the entire space of marketing it's impossible for any one company to do it all. Uh, and so what all of these large, you know, marketing cloud leaders have done is actually shifted their strategies to say, okay, you know, we will have these foundational capabilities, right? You know, your core CRM, you know, core campaign management, you know, and marketing automation, maybe like core service automation. How do you connect customer service, you know, to these things? There's been like a handful of these just, you know, foundational capabilities we know that everybody needs. But then what we're going to do is we're going to open up, you know, these APIs and these extension points, and we're going to put partner programs in place to be able to vet and certify partners. And, you know, where this leads is, you know, I mean, an oversimplified version would be like, you know, with the, the Apple iPhone or, you know, Android, you know, people have the core phone they get, the core apps they get on that, but then they have this access, you know, to all these other applications that they can easily plug in. You know, we've got a ways to go in the marketing stack before it's <laughs> as easy as just, you know, plugging on a new iPhone app. Um, but that's the direction we're headed is, you know, these ecosystems that have a lot of specialized solutions, you know, but they all start to plug into these common foundations to make it a little bit more rational for people to manage it. Speaking about trends um, and directions, um, is there anything that is um, currently making you exciting or excited? So what's coming 2019, uh, 2020? Um, is there anything specific that you, you see that is going to change or that will leave a, leave a big impact? Well, you know, it's, it's an interesting question. And one of the things that always surprises me every year when I'm working on the marketing technology landscape is, quite frankly, it's hard to find a category where there isn't 
uh, change and innovation happening. I mean, like, you know, pick a category like content management. I mean, you know, that's arguably the oldest category on the MarTech <laughs> landscape. Uh, and so you'd think, okay, well, surely that's that's done, right? I mean, we're, we're set. You know, we've been doing this for like 20 years. Nothing new is going to happen there. Uh, but yeah, this whole revolution that happened around, you know, like headless CMS over the past couple years and, you know, starting to think of content management beyond just, um, you know, hey, rendering a specific web page into, yeah, being able to manage content across all these different kinds of touch points, you know, web and chat and mobile and voice, um, you know, so, I mean, uh, you could go through the entire landscape and it's, it's hard to find a category where there isn't some sort of innovation. I think if I was going to pick one thing that I am most excited about happening in the landscape, it's that when the a lot of these technologies started out, you really needed an IT professional to not only get them set up, but in a lot of cases, operate them. And then in the past, you know, 10 years or so, we've seen this evolution where, okay, these tools become more accessible by this, this group of hybrid professionals, these marketing technologists. So they don't, they don't work in the IT department. They actually work in the marketing department, you know, but they're able to manage the daily operations of most of these tools. What I think we're starting to see more and more of is this next level of democratizing these tools, where increasingly a lot of these tools are usable by regular marketers that are not very technical at all. Um, you know, I can give you examples like, uh, you know, like uh, for design, like graphic design. It used to be that, okay, if I want something nicely designed, I have to, you know, be an expert in Photoshop. I have to have, you know, like graphic design skills. Well, now you can have pretty much any marketer go to a tool like Canva uh, and they can produce this beautiful stuff that looks like it was created by a, you know, great graphic designer, but it was just, you know, Scott the, playing around on, you know, his web for, you know, like 15 minutes. Uh, and we see this with like data analysis. We see this with, you know, even like integration of data. If you look at tools like uh, Zapier, you know, just super friendly interfaces to let people say, oh, yeah, I want to take this data from this form and send it to my CRM here and my marketing automation there. Um, this is this is a really I mean, this is going to be a five year trend, this sort of consumerization of marketing technology. Um, but that's that's the thing I think I'm most excited by personally. Yeah. That's exciting. And, you know, on that topic, I think more from an IT standpoint, what's really remarkable is just how much IT costs and the ease of use has, has really um, gone down. I mean, the ease of use has, has gone up and the costs have gone down. But, you know, you, I was just looking on AWS's website and you can store 16 terabytes of data in Redshift for six bucks an hour, you know, and that that used to be a really big, you know, multi-month, multi-year project requiring millions of dollars and, you know, buying these huge storage arrays and whatnot. But, you know, what what says the impact of, of all this new cloud technology and the democratization of all these services? What has that done to marketing? How has it changed it? Yeah, well, I mean, you bring up a really great point here. It's interesting. So, you know, the budgets that people spend on marketing technology have you know, risen tremendously over the past few years. Um, and so I think there's this tendency for, you know, if they just look at the, you know, uh, budget, you know, people are like, oh, my goodness, we are spending all this money on technology. You know, uh, this can't be efficient. Um, but reality is 
the outcomes, the benefits, the capabilities that people are getting for their money now, you're right. It's, it's crazy. I mean, people are like applying, you know, these machine learning algorithms to, you know, that just these massive data sets, you know, for determining things of like, okay, well, how are we going to handle lead scoring? How are we going to handle, you know, uh, recommendations to product? Uh, you know, for products to particular customers? How do we sort of manage anticipating churn? You know, I mean, all this sort of stuff that, frankly, years ago, you know, we, we could sort of dream up, uh, but just wasn't, you know, accessible either economically or, quite frankly, you know, just the ease of use of it. And now so much of this stuff starts getting just built into these tools. Marketers are using all these like machine learning technologies. And, you know, I would say for like 80% of them, they don't even know they're using them. They're like, oh, yeah, no, it just told me to do this. It just recommended this. Oh, yeah, found the ideal time to send that email to this, you know, cohort. Um, <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. Do you so speaking about that? Um, do you also see a trend because we see that a little bit in, in the e-commerce space um, growing, especially at the very large um, brands and retailers? But uh, on, on the marketing um, side of things, uh, is there a trend for um, build it your own? So um, how much are, are tools used and customized and combined, or how much are companies that are in the shift of digital transformation that want to, to insource uh, the, 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 the technical um, components uh, more and more, are they also building their, their marketing technologies on their own, or at least some of that? Yeah, that's a really interesting topic, because I think where I'd almost see like there were a couple different phases. Like, so years ago, actually a lot of large companies built a lot of their own marketing technology because quite frankly, there just weren't good commercial tools uh, available to do what they needed to do. So they build their own systems for loyalty management. They build their own systems for CRM, you know, their own systems for like managing, you know, uh, digital, uh, you know, marketing delivery. And then we sort of had this period here, you know, particularly over the past five years where, <laughs> thanks to the landscape, right, the, the plethora of tools that are available to them, you know, there'd been a lot of adoption of commercial systems. But uh, now what's happening is because so many of these tools are open and they have APIs, um, uh, they're all based up in the cloud anyway, um, you know, so they have this sort of service architecture that, you know, you can access is, yeah, we're starting to see uh, a trend now in the other direction where these companies have subscriptions to a bunch of commercial tools, but they're increasingly sort of you know, rolling their own secret sauce, you know, of how do we, what's, what's the level above this that connects the way we use all these tools in the context of our larger digital transformation and, you know, the the end-to-end -end customer experience. And so I think we're just... Uh, just starting to see the momentum build in that direction, I'll be really curious to see, okay, well, what what ends up being the balance between, you know, how much of the tech is, you know, rented off the shelf and how much is, uh, yeah, custom to a particular company? Yeah, as Dirk mentioned, we, we see the same thing in the commerce space. I think folks are really trying to figure it out now. So, you know, on that topic, um, there, there's this new breed of, uh, of SaaS companies out on the market, and you, you've captured quite a few of them in your landscape. But, you know, a lot of these organizations you can go to and hand them a credit card, and for 20 bucks, 100 bucks a month, whatever it is, you can start using their services, which is great because it allows these semi-technical marketing teams to actually go in and really innovate. Um, the issue, though, is how do you 
allow those marketers to innovate while adhering to corporate-wide standards around data security, data privacy. Because all it takes is, you know, one idiot with a credit card and, <laughs> you know, you can do a lot of damage, right? Uh, you could get sued and, and uh, make the front page of a lot of newspapers for some type of data breach. So, you know, how do you allow that freedom um, while at the same time making sure that nobody does anything stupid that gets you in trouble? <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, no, no. It's, um, I mean, this is a real challenge um, because, you know, at the end of the day, there's, there's a couple different ways in which it's challenging. We can even abstract it from the individuals and just say, you know, there is a business trade-off here between, and this is a age-old battle between, okay, well, what do we do that minimizes our risk and what do we do that maximizes our growth opportunities? And this is this is a trade-off. I mean, the most secure computing system in the world is the one you unplug. Uh, but <laughs> the value harnessed from it tends to, you know, drop to zero, um, you know. And so I think for a lot of companies, you know, there's not a single simple answer to this. I think what what I usually recommend to people is that they do think of this in tiers, you know, okay, there's going to be the system that's going to hold our uh, personal identifiable customer data. And now thanks to, you know, particularly regulations like GDPR and other privacy regulations, uh, you know, similar to that happening around the world um, is, okay, this is something that we need to have in a centralized system. We need to have uh, technical mechanisms of governing to make sure that data uh, you know, who can access that data and in what context so that, again, if nothing else, we're just adhering to the law of making sure that we've got consent on this data. And when a customer says, hey, I want to be forgotten from your systems, uh, we're able to do that in a good motion. I think as you start to get to these other tiers of tools that you know, marketers use in their day-to-day -day work, you know, the other extreme would be a tool like Canva. Right. And, you know, that one I mentioned, like, hey, listen, if a marketer wants to use their credit card to get a subscription to Canva to go make an infographic, do we really need to get six layers of approval from, you know, the IT and compliance department? Probably not. Uh, right. I mean, just the the risk, the overlap, the intersection there with, you know, uh, uh, data, you know, and compliance issues is just incredibly small. And so if you look at that as the continuum of like the customer data, you know, center on one end and, you know, tools like Canva on the other, the question becomes in that messy middle of like, okay, well, what point in time can people access certain data when they collect certain data? What are the rules of governance for that? And to be honest, this is, I, I don't know of a single company of any real size that isn't struggling with how to implement the right sort of governance uh, for that. Uh, I think this is also an opportunity for, for companies to, to embrace that and to come up with solutions um, over the next two, three years. Um, I think GDPR was one thing. I know California is coming now up with a new privacy law. And yeah, who's accessing what data? What SLAs do you have in place across so many tools? So at some point, you need to consolidate it. And uh, I think who's moving there uh, in, in, a, in a, the best kind of way, I think, is creating a huge market opportunity also. I agree. Um, so talking about about that a little or so or, or maybe um, uh, this is a good good bridge to, to another question I have. You you quickly mentioned that um, early at the beginning. Uh, when when you look at marketing technology and how it's consumed by organizations, um, small ones to large ones, are they 
more going for a suite focused approach. So say, okay, like the Adobe's who say, okay, we can give it all to you. Or do companies say, no, we, we need to have best of breed because there are so many things that we, that we have to cover and it can't call, all come from, from one vendor. So what is the status quo here and where do you think this trend will go over the next two years? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's funny. It's been such a heated debate over the years, but in many ways, I kind of feel like the debate is over. The, the answer is actually both. Uh, basically, people want to standardize on a couple, one or two primary systems that serve as like their foundation, almost like the tent pole. Uh, you mean like uh, CRM or something like that? As it, a, as a exactly. And it, it might actually even be more than just CRM, right? I mean, like if you're, you know, picking the Adobe system, right? I mean, you're not only getting, uh, C, you know, actually, I don't think they have a good CRM solution at the moment, but, you know, like you could get like the Adobe, you know, web management, you know, I might get Adobe campaign, I might use Adobe solution for uh, um, a, a data management platform for advertising, you know, and so you, it's sort of like, okay, well, let me start with what I can get from Adobe. And then because Adobe has now opened up more of its APIs and its work to build a certified partner ecosystem, the question becomes, okay, for these other capabilities that I want to add to my stack, how many of them can I actually now just get from Adobe's partner ecosystem? You know, And so I sort of get this benefit of, in many ways, I'm picking the specialist tools out of that ecosystem that best suit my needs. But because they are certified partners to that platform, you know, I have some assurance that, okay, I don't have to necessarily figure this integration out from scratch on my own. You know, Adobe and the partner have, you know, done the initial hard work of figuring out how do we make these two things play nicely together uh, out of the box. And so I think we're seeing more of that. I mean, you can look at things like, you know, the app exchange on Salesforce is just, you know, thriving. Uh, you know, there's this thing of, okay, I'll use Salesforce as my foundational CRM. And oh, now these are all the other applications that feed into it. Um, again, you know, self-promotion, it's the same thing happening here at HubSpot. Uh, you know, our partner ecosystem, you know, has exploded now to hundreds of partners that, you know, a customer can just say, oh, I want an influencer management solution here. Bam, you know, just plug this in and it, it out of the box now works with, you know, our CRM interface and things like that. So, um, I, I guess the, the trend of where I hope this ends up is people get the best of both worlds. They have that sort of stable foundation of a suite uh, that gives them like maybe 70 or 80 percent of the capabilities they need. Uh, and then they have the ability to get that sort of best of breed magic for augmenting the suite out of the partner ecosystems with the other capabilities they want. I like that pragmatism. I, th I think a lot of folks are firmly down on one side or the other. And uh, I, I very much agree that it's... Uh, you know, pick, pick what works best for you kind of approach. So um, the commerce platforms, you know, on this topic, a lot of the big commerce platforms out there, if you look at Hybris, if you look at um, Oracle Commerce, WebSphere Commerce, a lot of them, they have marketing um, automation or marketing technologies built into the platforms. Because for a long time, the commerce platforms themselves were meant to be basically the ERP systems of the front office, right? Everything connected through them. Everything was integrated through them. They, they were evaluated according to how many different features they had. So a lot of these commerce platforms actually have some marketing capabilities built in. Are you seeing people use those features or are those features pretty universally just disregarded? Or it's probably depends, but I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. 
Yeah, I think it varies. I think, again, actually, the large commerce providers you could look at as very similar to the large marketing clouds where basically, yeah, the original idea was, okay, well, can we just give the customer everything they need in one solution? Uh, wouldn't that be nice? Um, and the vision there was beautiful. Uh, just the challenge is, is just too damn many things, uh, you know, and like, Every six months, marketers come up with like new tactics or new channels that you know didn't exist before that they want to try. So, <laughs> I think what you're seeing is again also in the commerce ecosystems. You know, and I confess I know them less well than you know like the marketing clouds. But the ones I've looked at, right? I mean, they also have opened up these APIs. They've also you know made it possible. To say, okay, well, here's the set of stuff you get out of the box. If this covers everything you need, that's awesome. Uh, but if there are other things you want to do that we don't do natively, hey wonderful news. Uh, we integrate with the following tools that can give you those capabilities, you know, and then each customer sort of picks the, the, the collection that's really right for their needs. Yeah, no, that, that absolutely makes, makes sense. And talking about commerce, um, and, and, and as you said, not everybody can develop everything. What would be marketing products that you would recommend, uh, let's say, uh, mid-sized retailer that they should integrate directly with the commerce platform to have a best of breed offering? Is there anything that you actually could recommend out of so many? Uh, so uh, rather than name specific tools, uh, you know, I think there's categories you obviously look at, right? I mean, it's yep. the all the other channels of communication that you have with the customer. Um, you know, and I think right now today, uh, you know, we, we, we used to think like, okay, well, if they're coming to the, uh, you know, e-commerce site, that's clearly one channel. And then we have email, uh, you know, and that's another channel. Uh, but now, yeah, you're starting to get this interesting mix of, you know, if they've implemented some sort of, uh, you know, chat bot or live chat, you know, what the mechanism is around that? Uh, is it possible that they might be creating a voice skill, uh, you know, for voice discovery on, you know, whether it's Amazon or Google or, you know, Apple's platforms or things like that? Um, and so, you know, uh, I, I guess, right, you know, like search has always been, a you know, another channel that you tend to get these specialized tools uh, for search engine optimization. Uh, you know, and so I think, you know, for any company that's looking at, okay, we've got our core commerce technology, you just go through the list of what are the other touch points we have with customers, what's the best tools for us to optimize them, and then you start to think at the layer above that of how do I orchestrate those touch points so that there's some coherence and consistency uh, in the way I'm communicating with them. All right. I think we have time for one more question, um, Scott. So uh, much of marketing today is, is very um, oriented around cookies, or at least historically it has been around cookies. Um, and that's because the vast majority of traffic until a few years ago was just web. And with the web, you have these nice cookies you can use. But now that we're uh, shifting more towards mobile apps, progressive web apps, um, a lot of smart devices, how do you mechanically track a user across all of the different touch points when there is no cookie on an IoT device, for example? Yeah, I think um, there's two different issues here. There's a technical issue and there's a regulatory issue. Because uh, I think, you know, a lot of these regulatory um, policies that are being put in place are actually trying to minimize that or prevent that or put really strict, you know, really tight restrictions, you know, on companies' ability to do that. 
Um, and we could argue the pros and cons of that, but you know, if we set that aside and we say, listen, if really what it comes down to is the thing that these laws will allow is for a customer to raise their hand and say, I want to opt in to participate in communication with you on this channel, on this device, and the benefits that you are offering me are very transparent, uh, and the data that I'm giving you in return is very transparent. Um, I think that you know, I don't want to uh, oversimplify it. I think there's a lot of work between here and there, you know, technically and communications and, you know, just, you know, the whole shifting of expectations for everyone. But uh, setting that aside, I think it gets us to a world where basically customers will opt in. They will identify the devices uh, that they want to participate with a, uh, you know, particular commercial relationship. Um, and in exchange for that, uh, they will get a set of benefits and they will have control uh you know over that exchange and yeah you know you could argue that in the end that actually gets us to a better place you know because when customers are the more they are consciously engaging with us and you know agreeing to give us information and data frankly the higher the quality the data is you know i mean it's um we could spend a whole podcast just on, you know, the data quality <laughs> challenges, you know, the marketing industry for years. I think, you know, this this consent direction we're headed in, one of the big benefits to marketing will be the quality of the data is going to be just so much higher. Yeah, that's fair. That's a very good point. Well, with that, I think we have to wrap up this episode. Uh, thank you again, Scott, for taking the time to walk uh, us as commerce folks through the marketing tech landscape. Um, for people who want more information, Scott, do you, uh, do you want to provide your website and how listeners can follow you? Sure. Uh, so my blog is Chief Martech, uh, without the H at the end, uh, dot com. Uh, and that's also at Chief Martech is my uh, handle on Twitter. So, yeah, feel free to reach out. All right. Thanks again, folks. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. Bye.